Welcome to the Life Teachers Podcast with your host, Ben Michael Giacovelli. This is a podcast where Gen Z is made easy. Learn about the possibilities that are available after school, how to set your future self up for success, and learn unique stories from extraordinary people all while having a laugh along the way. I'm extremely thankful for you taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast. Now, let's get on to the show. Welcome, guys, to this show, Life's Teachers. I'm your host, Michael Giacovelli. So today we've got on our very first episode, Darcy O'Connor. Darcy O'Connor is one of my best mates since high school, and he's been gone um, to America for four years playing college soccer. So he played at Sussex College for two years and is now playing at St. Benedictine. Mm-hmm. And now we've got him here today just to talk about his experiences during school, after school, and what college soccer is like. So welcome, Darcy. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. You're more than welcome. So Darcy, first question, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what did you do after school? Alrighty. So as you mentioned, my name's Darcy. Uh, I went over to the United States of America to follow my dream of becoming a professional soccer player. Uh, didn't take me long after landing over there that that wasn't going to be the case, but I guess that was part of my journey and uh, part of the experience. So basically went over to college, which is the system over there they have just after high school, kind of like university here in Australia, but they kind of integrate sports a lot more into their programs. So I went over there on a soccer scholarship and uh, yeah, I've played three years over there now. I've got two more most likely, one or two. Mm. And um, yeah, been loving it so far. That's awesome. So how did you first find out about um, the opportunity of college? Well. To be honest, it was actually because my family was a, a big baseball family and um, it's very common for baseballers to go down the college route because baseball is such a huge sport over in America. So I guess being around a lot of baseballers that had gone over there and loved it and spoken about how you can play every single day at a very high level, get your degree at the same time, like I was kind of like, yeah, okay, well, I'm not going for baseball, but they have soccer programs over there. Like I can go and still get my degree and have that kind of safety net if I don't you know go professional which was the route that I thought I was going to take at the time coming out of high school so yeah now that's the awesome thing about college how you can get a degree while as well playing the sport that you love Mm -hmm. awesome that's great stuff Darcy Uh, what is the degree that you're studying at the moment so the first two years in college or in America is very uh, like blanket it's quite basic so Mm -hmm. everyone kind of does the same thing they call it liberal arts over there but it's basically just a bit of everything. You try try kind of every single subject, just dip your toe in into all the pools and see mm. what you enjoy. So did that for my first two years and then now I'm going into my fourth year when I go back in a couple of weeks and by now I've picked up finance. So Oh awesome. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Bit I'm at Bitcoin a, and everything? Yeah. <laughs> nah, Bitcoin not doing too hot at the moment. <sighs> but uh yeah, they uh push us kinda into the the stream that they think will be best suited at and um you know, my, my dad comes from a business background. I've, I've always kind of been interested in that. So they kind of pushed me in that direction. And it kind of helped that the school that I'm at now is a very big business-focused school. So kind of worked out quite nicely. That's awesome. And you mentioned your dad there. We do love Troy. Shout out to Troy. Shout out Troy. So was Troy as well a big reason for making the move to college? Like, how did you find going <laughs> Trying to, to college, get away from it. Trying to get away. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I guess a, a little bit because it is... I don't know. It's a big commitment to move away from your family. So it's quite hard to do if you don't have their support. Like if, if they're telling you like, oh, you know, we, we need you around the house. Like we can't really like it won't work around here without you type thing. Like that's not how it was. They were both very, both my parents mm. were very supportive of saying like, if this is what you want to do, go for it. Like we'll be okay here. We're obviously going to miss you, but you know we'll, we'll hold down the fort and we'll get it done without you go chase your dreams so i guess that's what we did and it's worked out pretty good so far that's awesome that's so important you have both supportive parents who you know you want to chase your dreams you're 20 you're 21 now i mean this is the time to do it Definitely. there's nothing left to lose you're not settled down for anything uh, but that's awesome so yeah i was meant to go to college with darcy to america but that fell through as i had to um, with the degree I wanted to study, I wanted to study physiotherapy and that overseas was hard to align up with Australia. Mm-hmm. The degrees didn't match and it just would have been too much of a headache. So I've missed you for four years, but nah, it's been yeah. good fun when you're back. Looking back on it now, like with the kids that I have met from other countries that are doing like physio or like mm-hmm. any kind of health science, I think you did yourself a huge favor just because mm-hmm. the 
especially in Australia, like we have such a high standard for that sort of thing. And like, I'm not saying the American standard isn't good, but it's just not really accepted. Like when you try to come back here, they'll just put you through another two or three years yeah. more school and you're just stopping yourself from earning money earlier. So no, exactly you right. did yourself a favor, mate. Well done. No, thanks, mate. It's a hard well decision done. to make, that's for sure. No, it was. It sucked at the time, but oh, made yeah. the right call. It all, all happens for a reason. Exactly. So what? Um, how did you find as well in regards to the education side of things? Did you find it a bit of a jump? How did you find it compared to mm. Australia? That's an interesting question. So I'd say the first two years, like I said, the basic liberal arts two years was almost, I don't want to say a step backward, but kind of like a very similar uh, kind of level to year 12, year 11 here in mm. Australia. So I definitely didn't didn't really struggle too much. Like I didn't really have to study by any means. It was more just focusing on like the sports side of it. Mm. So we, I honestly enjoyed that because it allowed me to focus on why I wanted to be there, which was soccer. So, yeah. so I guess I'm trying to remember what my GPA was, but I don't know. Does GPA mean anything to yeah, Australian people? Yeah, it's different how it works in Australia, though, I think, to America. Yeah, but it does, so it I'll relevant. explain it. So a GPA is basically your grade point average, and it's basically a score they give you based on your A's, B's, and C's, D's, like whatever grades you get. They just average it out. So I think an A is a 4. It's out of 4. An A is a 4, a B is a 3, a C is a 2, and a D is a 1. And I think I finished my first two years with like a, I want to say 3.7 or 3.8. Oh, not bad. So yeah, no, basically all A's and it just shows that I wasn't really throwing all my time into studies either. I'd love to mm. say that I was, but it was basically just repeating content that mm. we'd already covered in high school. But then it's where it gets tricky. The third year I'd say is a massive jump because you kind of go from doing that liberal arts, like basic content to going into your major classes. So I moved schools, which definitely played a factor, but my grade point average went from a 3.8 to after this, I did one whole year. So two semesters is now down to a 2.5 or 2.6. So yeah, clearly I need to get my studying habits back, but it just shows that there is a bit of a step up when you get to that third year and you start doing classes for your major. It's uh, a bit different to Mm. the first couple of years. Yeah, for sure. That definitely would have been a big jump. So the first two years you were at a junior college, is that correct? Correct. And now you've moved to an NIA school. Yes. So could you just explain the differences, the reasons why you went to a junior college Mm -hmm. first? Sure. So for those of you that don't know, the college, I guess, system is broken up into a bunch of, let's let's call them leagues. So you've got Division One, which is the schools everyone's heard of, your Harvard, Stanford, whatever it is. And then you've got Division Two which is still an extremely, extremely high level. The Division Two teams are sometimes overlooked because they're not Division One. People think it's like, you know, the Premier League or compared to the second division. It's really not how it works. Um, the school's division is actually decided on based on the amount of kids they have at the school and the size of the school rather than how good you are at athletics. Like, there's no promotional relegation. Mm. So, as I said, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, And then you've got a league off to the side, which can honestly range from division three level teams all the way up to division one level teams. It just depends kind of what conference you're in and whereabouts in the States you are. And that's called NAIA. And that's the league that I transferred into. So that's where I'm at now. And then kind of separately, I don't want to say below because again, like you've got some teams that would compete with division one schools, but you've got junior college. The biggest difference there is that junior college schools are a two year program instead of a four year program. So I guess the focus for those schools is more trying to get you moved on to the best possible school that you can get to. So that was kind of my incentive to go there was, okay, well, I'm not playing for the Socceroos or, you know, a crazy MPL MPL club here in Australia. Like I don't have the the kind of resume to just say, all right, I'm going to go straight to a Division One school because the level is that high over there. Mm. It's just not realistic. So I was like, okay. I'm going to give myself a chance to go to a, a two-year program, work out there. Like, it's still a much higher level than I was used to. Kind of develop it the best I could and then see where I end up for the third and fourth year. And, nah, uh, awesome. That's exactly what happened, basically. Yeah, very good. So, how would you describe that? Um, So, you went to Sussex for the first two years. Mm-hmm. You achieved amazing results and, you know, personal accolades there, which is unreal. Uh, but how did you find the level compared to Australia and... Was it a big jump from Australia from what you've um, played in recent times? Yeah, definitely. So 
like like I said, I kind of went over there with the thought in my mind that I was going to be a professional and then was probably there for two or three weeks before I realized, oh, like Australia is a very small pond. And mm. when you start playing with kids from Italy, Spain, Argentina, Brazil, and you realize that these are the kids that didn't make it, like these are the kids that are coming to America because they've realized like they were in academies in, in Europe or in Brazil, wherever they were. And they realize like, oh, I'm not even good enough to make it in my own country. I'm going to go to the US to get a scholarship mm. and focus on my studies. When you're coming up against those kids and they're still <laughs> that good, you go, okay, like I have to have a look at myself yeah. here and start weighing up other options. So it was definitely an eye opener for me coming from, like I said, Australia, which is a small pond. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience, but um, definitely something that needed to happen before I wasted another three or four years pursuing the professional route yeah yeah exactly right and um so would so would that be like one thing that caught you by surprise in america is yeah, there anything else that the, probably the biggest, the biggest thing? thing honestly yeah. like just how good <laughs> you have to be to be a professional soccer player like bro the kids coming out of europe and out of brazil like they're ridiculous yeah. <laughs> i honestly can't put it into words like how good they are and like playing with kids that are representing their national teams now like just seeing the level you have to be at to even be on a national team for a country that most of you at home wouldn't have even heard of like <laughs> it doesn't really make sense it's almost unfathomable but yeah a very cool experience and very humbling experience for sure no oh, exactly right i think i guess some of those countries on global though so I, I think i know those countries mate so those um those kids as well that you're saying you know didn't make it in their own countries from you know europe south america is it like just the their skill set or is it the way they conduct themselves when they're over in Europe? Like, do they, you know, go to arrive first to training, arrive last to train, that kind of thing? Or what is Honestly, it just their natural? it's more their natural ability and their yeah. skill set. Like, I'm not saying they don't work hard because most of them do. You don't get to be that good without mm. working hard. But most of them, it's just raw ability. Like, they've been playing with a ball since they were five years old, four years old. Mm. Like, just their natural technical ability and, like composure and all, all the all the things that you can't really teach is just unbelievable so yeah, yeah it's again eye-opening and humbling and cool to see so do you think that anyone can go to college no matter what their soccer background is like to put in the context to actually join soccer really late compared to other people mm -hmm. like i started playing when i was probably 11 when you were 16 17 i think yeah 15 or 16 like 15 or 16 like that is very late and he's had this and the amount of accolades he's achieved both in australia when he's been playing and as well in america is unreal so what so what are some of those accolades you don't mind me yeah no so when we went over there i guess the biggest thing in the u.s is trying to make it to like the national tournament so that's basically like the final group of teams let's call it like the top 10 top 25 whatever it is teams in the country will eventually at the end of the season go down to one part of the country and compete against each other and i guess that's the most important place to be when you're in college athletics because that's where all the scouts go to like the scouts just don't have time to go to there's hundreds and hundreds of colleges they don't have time to go to every single college like regular season game watch a kid here watch a kid there like they honestly wait until nationals where the, all the best teams are together and then that's where they'll go. So for us, every single year is always about getting to nationals. And my first two years at my junior college, we were lucky enough to go both times. We were the number eight team awesome. in the country both years. Um, personal accolades, I really can't say that there was too many apart from I got selected as the captain of the team for the second year. So obviously I guess leading a team to a national tournament is pretty exciting but being the, those personal accolades are really hard to get you've only really got your all-american team which is the best 11 in the whole country and i wasn't far off my second year pretty close i reckon i was probably let's let's call it self-proclaimed <laughs> self-proclaimed second team but yeah, yeah no i wasn't far away at all mm. i thought i got robbed a little bit but hey there's no biscuit for second place. No, nah, so. no biscuit at all, mate. Just nah. a soggy biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It happens, mate. But um, not not bitter at all, as yeah. you can tell. <laughs> not at all. No, uh, it's all right though. Um, still still competed at the highest level, and yeah. you know, bought my team there. So yeah, it was nah, a good experience. exactly right. Like um, you've done <clears throat> yeah so well for yourself over in America. I've never seen you as captain. I'm like, oh, they really do give the captain's armband to anyone. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you did awesome, mate. Um, because like when, when whenever you went, when you went to America, did you ever have any 
like doubt in your mind because you started soccer quite late or did you always because at school Darcy would always wake up in year 12 wake up before school go train do school come back home use the gym like he has an incredible work ethic so he's worked hard to get to where he was mm-hmm. but it was ever time you doubt in your mind or you always hard focused I mean, like I'm gonna make it to America for I'm me gonna- like I wasn't negligent to those facts like I knew that I started years and years after everyone else is in my competition at the level I wanted to be at so for me it was just about you know working hard and trying to make up for lost time basically like yeah they've had an extra eight years but if I can get up every single morning or work out three times a day train three times a day whatever it is like eventually I'm going to start to make up some ground and Mm. I guess I have considering now I'm starting to play against some kids that are coming from academies and like have played ball their whole life so getting there but it definitely is uh, something I do still think about when you talk about the kids that are above me and in front of me that I'm still pushing for like it is interesting to think about the fact that they have been in the academy system since they were like five or six years old and like yeah just how hard it is to catch up with those kids but I guess that honestly just motivates me to keep working out and keep grinding I guess to just continue to make up for lost time yeah no nah, that's awesome so you you find like a not comparing yourself to the other players, but you, you see them as like a, not a step above, but as like a, oh, that's the level I want to try to reach. No, so yeah, you keep it's working. To, not bad to say that, honestly. Yeah. You do see them as a step above. Like they're, they are, they're coming from ridiculous academies, backgrounds that are not the same as mine. Like mm. you said, I started late. So it's not that, I I guess it doesn't discourage me. It, it kind of does the opposite. It yeah. more encourages me to be like, okay, well, I can't sleep in today. I can't skip my workout today. Like, I have to get up and do it because these kids have been doing it since they were five years old. So when you had those times and you woke up and you're like, oh, don't want to train, can't be bothered. It's not like, oh, it's just, I got to, this is what I have to do. No, yeah, it wasn't. It's not a choice. Like, bro, you can sit in bed, but you're not going to play next year. You won't start. Even this break, like, since I've been home, like, our program is still developing and we've signed like 20 odd kids we've got 50 kids on our roster like if i don't train and continue to get better like i just won't play next year and that's not something i'm okay with personally so it just makes it very easy to get out of bed and go to the gym do whatever i have to do Mm, except when Love Island's on though yeah, that, that's, say, that's a trouble mate <laughs> almost broke into laughter there because I woke up at 11 o'clock that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it is what it is it's all real here it's all real yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. fake <laughs> no of course <laughs> you went to America you have, you have no family in America correct mm-hmm. so how would you find being independent over there you know because you've been living at home ever mm-hmm. since moving to a whole country mm-hmm. by yourself not knowing anyone else how does that first initial you know plane ride there I mean, the plane right there is chilling. It's more once you get there, you're like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I'm here on my own. Like, n- no one to really look after me, cook meals for me, like, clean up my shit. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, it was one of the biggest adjustments you have to make is, like, cooking for yourself and being organized enough to go shopping, make sure you have everything you need. Like, the shops close at 5 o'clock. We have training until 6.37. Like, if you don't have all the stuff you need for dinner by the time you've gone to training at whatever time five o'clock then (laughs) you go hungry that night (laughs) it's definitely an adjustment that you're kind of forced to make very quickly but one of the things I'm most grateful for because I feel like I've grown up a lot in the last couple of years like being able to look after myself and live on my own clean up after myself clean my own bathroom clean my own kitchen like it sounds silly but it's it's definitely um one of the things I'm most proud of to be able to be self-sufficient and Mm -hmm cook my own meals and stuff like that no it's a big thing and even my um my grandma said that oh your Darcy's matured a lot in the last four years so yeah from the grandma first so that's when you know it's facts <laughs> beautiful so yeah, so describe a typical day in America you were just saying that if you mm-hmm. don't finish training 6 30 if you don't have your food organized you don't have dinner so what exactly does it look that's like question so I'll go off my current school and my current program because we work out a lot more than we did at my junior college just because so as in gym wise or so just, just everything general workouts. Yeah. yeah like on the field practice uh recovery in the gym like whatever it is so i think during i'll start with pre-season because that's what i'm going back to when i get back in a few weeks so pre-season we usually have three sessions a day so sorry jeez <coughs> <coughs> COVID straight on the mic. <laughs> Yum it. Yeah, it's my bad. So during preseason, we usually have three sessions a day. So it'll be like a 7 a.m. wake up. And what month, sorry, is preseason? August uh, August 1st it starts. Like we get back and then 
I don't know, I reckon August 7th is when official training with our coach starts. So before August 7th, we just kind of do uh, captain's practices and like training amongst ourselves with the other uh, players on the team. But August 7th, official uh, trainings will start. The first day of uh, training, we do a fitness test um, just to make sure everyone kind of kept up their fitness over the break and didn't come back overweight that sort of thing and then once we get that first day out of the way of the fitness testing we go into three trainings a day so that'll be 7am first session I don't know when they they normally go for about two hours so probably be done around nine um, go to a class or two whatever it is it probably finishes around 12 o'clock 11 o'clock around then uh, once you've been to your classes, you'll eat, get refueled. If you have time for a nap, that's great. Most of the time, you probably won't. You'll go to lift after that. So like 2 o'clock, 1.30, around then lifting. Lift for about an hour. Um, usually, the, the workouts aren't terrible. Like if you've been doing your own gym workouts, you'll normally breeze through the workouts quite easy. It's more about maintaining your weight rather than trying to get big or anything like that. Um, it's just more about maintenance to the body. And then normally I reckon only half an hour an hour later like just enough time to eat after the gym session and then you'll go for your third uh, session on the field for the day third session overall second session on the field yeah. for the day and um, yeah by that stage you're pretty sore but you just gotta you get used to it after a few days and like it's I do remember like the f my first preseason with this routine was last year and I remember like the first three or four days, like I'd had cramps in places I didn't even know you could cramp, like in between my ribs, like abdominal cramps, <laughs> groins, like horrible for the first few days. But once you kind of get used to it, you'd be surprised how quickly your body adapts and you're good to go for the rest of the preseason and gets you prepared for the season, which is so full on. That just sounds like pain. Like it sounds <laughs> like an absolute, oh. Bro, you're smashing magnesium pills like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, like big candy. Wow. Jeez. So how long did you, would you say it took, take, it took you to be like accustomed to that preseason training? So honestly, like it's rough, but only three or four days. Okay, it's a yeah. real rough three or four days. Mm -hmm. But if you can keep up the hydration, it's more about also how you prepare yourself when you're not training. Like I was kind of probably not drinking enough water, not enough Gatorade, whatever it is not enough magnesium but like once you realize you've gone through it a few days you're like okay i've got to keep my, my magnesium so i don't cramp keep up the fluids like just do everything make sure you're eating at all of those increments so that you're not low on fuel like as long as you do all the right things you'd be surprised what your body can take i guess yeah you can, you can definitely tell when you haven't done the right things that's no, absolutely. sure your body will let you know it, it does so that's pre-season and then uh, when does the season usually start like month wise yeah so not how many long games after, in the season not long after pre-season so i believe our first game this season is august 19th oh gee that's pretty soon yeah. didn't realize it was that soon no, yeah like i said, filming on the 15th of july so that's the why they're so uh adamant on us coming back fit like they do all the fitness testing and stuff straight away because there's just not enough time in preseason for you to get your fitness back. Like you have to come back prepared. So. And what are those fitness tests they usually do? We normally do the yo-yo test first. So it's basically the beep test with just like a little kind of walking break uh, in between. Which it's a bit I, nice. <laughs> I, I prefer it definitely to the beep test, but some people find it harder. I think it just depends what your strengths are and if you prefer interval running or continuous running. But not terrible the score we normally have to hit for that is 20 which is probably means nothing to you but if anyone has done that it's a pretty decent score you definitely can't high. Be, yeah no you definitely can't be unfit to hit that but yeah no i have to i still probably have to do some work <laughs> to hit that over the next couple of weeks but we'll be right get on the bike start running and we'll be okay and then you were also asking about a day in the life of a regular regular season. season. So you've done the preseason, done all the three days a session, three three sessions a day. Exactly. Just sounds like vomit. <laughs> sounds hard, but it's worth it. I'm sure. Yeah. No. Nah, so then you kind of dive into your regular season activities, which is more of like a weekly schedule rather than a daily thing, because it's different every day based on whether you've got a game or whether you've just got training, most of the days that aren't games are recovery. So one of the biggest things in the US that's so different to the rest of the world is that they cram their season into one semester, which is like two and a half months, three months compared to like a, a regular soccer season, which is almost half the year. But Man. 
So does that mean multiple games a week? Yeah, that's what I was getting to. So it's normally three games a week, two games a week. <laughs> oh, it's like the NBA. Is, yeah, no, it's just, if you know anything about soccer, like that's just not a normal number to be able to play. Like the professional players complain about playing two games a week and you've got college kids out here playing three for some reason on synthetic pitches. Like it's recipe for injuries, but it's yeah. just the way they do it to try and fit it into one semester, which is the way that all the college athletics works. So yeah it's it's good and bad it, it means you have to definitely focus a lot on recovery and making sure you get your body right a lot of stretching fluids all that stuff like i said because you just don't have time to have a little niggly injury that sort of thing because you're playing on it in two days time so mm. just got to look after yourself is a big thing but um like i was saying the routine is basically if you've got a game you'll wake up you still have to go to class because the games aren't until five six o'clock so wake up go to class and then chill out for a couple of hours, get some food into you. You have like a pre-game meal with the squad. Usually um, they feed you some good food on game days and then get you ready to go to locker room and get in the zone, listen to tactics, that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, not bad. And then the day after is usually just a recovery day. Um, we have quite a large squad. So like, I don't know if you heard me say earlier, we have 50 people in our squad. So that gets interesting when you only have let's say 11 playing the majority of the minutes and then maybe just 44 on the bench <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's actually not what happens what they do is they'll pick a squad of 18 that get selected arrested of you and bugger off to the stands basically mm. just so do they do as well um so do they do like rotations every week or how does it work and the substitutions like one no three so subs substitutions in america they love to do their own stuff over there with the rules but you can no offside rule <laughs> bro they have golden goal don't even start God. me on that oh, don't no. even start me on golden goal in extra time we'll but cut it there yeah they have uh, unlimited subs uh, you can go on and off like rolling as many times as you want so it kind of changes the game because the back four will normally stay on it's just hard to rotate the back four um, I guess you don't want to change your defense too much especially when they're working well together Whereas you've got your wingers, they will literally play like 20 minutes, get tired, come off, bring on another winger, 20 minutes, bring on the other winger again. And like, you'll do two or three rotations with the same two wingers, so if that makes sense. I guess when you're like a center back and you know, the wingers are always changing, there's always maximum pressure on you, you know what I mean? Yes. Always so high pressure, <laughs> that's, that'd be so annoying. That's one of the biggest things about yeah. the game over there is they kind of wonder like, why is American, American soccer so like high intensity and like so much pressing and, not as much possession as like European style football and it's because of the subs like you've literally got wingers and strikers that are always fresh legs like just running at the back four and it it's definitely a challenge but it's kind of good because it gets you to get used to playing out of a press and playing under pressure which is kind of mm -hmm. Good yeah, definitely improves your technical skills. Yeah, perfect. That's what I do on FIFA. <laughs> Someone <laughs> high press. Ronaldo, high press. If Ronaldo's tired, get Mbappe back on, like, honestly. No, that's what they do, basically. They just rotate all day, and it's it's kind of rubbish, but it's yeah. the American rules, you can't complain. Because that's one thing I think I've seen, because I've watched some of your games, of course, mm -hmm. back from Australia, and that's one thing of and your highlight reel, of course. Can't that's one it. of your big improvements. <laughs> that's it. one of your big improvements. I think just your composure on the ball when you're at the back and your ability to hit a long ball. Like, I don't want to be rude, but back in Australia, like you weren't consistent with it. But now it's you know I back you every day to you know mm -hmm. hit a long ball if under composure and stuff. No, so. for sure. That's one of the things that like it just comes down to like expectation. Like if my coach we're training and I miss hit a long ball, like. I'm getting roasted like I'm getting ripped yeah. into and it's not like that here like everyone especially at the junior level everyone's like oh you know a good try like you tried a long ball whatever but like bro over there when you've got more on the line like you've got to hit that ball otherwise you're getting ripped into and if you want to play you've got to impress the coach so it's something I worked out a lot was my long balls and making sure that I could hit the targets that we needed to hit like when we're getting pressed just to be able to hit that ball over the top is a big part of the game for sure yeah and that's a big asset of yours do you think as well in college as well there's a lot of um, like Americans or people from different countries like your team is there a lot of Americans or is it predominantly people overseas that come no. and play college so like I said huge roster it's quite interesting because I would say probably 80% of the starting like 11 or 18 is mainly internationals mm. so excuse me <laughs> <laughs> So like I was saying, uh, mainly internationals for the main part of the, the starting group. And that's basically 
just because they're coming from, like I said, academies and like such a high level overseas most of the time that it's just quite hard for the American kids to compete. The other thing I will say in the Americans' defense is that it's a lot easier for the American kids to get noticed. So if they are at the level even close to these kids coming from Europe, like they'll be at a Division One school, whereas it's a lot harder for these European kids to get noticed. Like they have to come over here and prove themselves and just the way that it works, like there's a lot more chance that they end up a bit further down the ladder, even with their abilities being higher than the American kids. Whereas the American kids that if they have any sort of like close to the national team level, like they'll be straight into a division one school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess at the school I'm at and like most of the schools I've played against and seen, it's, it's just mainly internationals in the kind of starting 20 odd. And then most of the rest of the kids will be, American kids just because there's only a limited amount of scholarship spots mm. so like my school for example oh, it's honestly my whole league they can only give out 12 full scholarships so as I said 50 kids mm. you've got 12 full scholarships like most of the kids aren't getting any money paid for so it's not going to be a kid from Italy that's played in an academy coming over to pay for someone else's scholarship like they're the ones that get the scholarship they're normally the better players it's just the way it works mm-hmm. nah that's interesting for sure Mm-hmm. So good, <laughs> good. No, I'm doing good so far, mate. This is mashing it. I'm enjoying it. Keep it up. Yeah. Uh, what's the other question I got for you? So, um, the as well in America, do you see big of a lifestyle change to Australia? Or it's so crazy, actually, how in Australia I've noticed that obviously we have different cultures in terms of like, you know, Queensland loves their rugby, Melbourne loves their AFL, but like genuinely the beliefs of like most Australians are pretty similar whereas in America I would say there's just crazy polarization if you don't know what that word means pretty bit of a vocab I was gonna say I never heard that word come out of his mouth polarization is basically like just two very different opinions like black and white basically like you've got based on where you live or like geographical location it plays definitely a big part of it in America but whereabouts you're from and where you're born and raised definitely plays a big part into like what you believe and I don't know just the way you react to things and your thoughts about different political issues definitely plays a big part into it and it's just been really crazy to see coming from a like I said a country where we mostly believe the same thing going to a country where one place will believe one thing and the other place can believe the exact opposite it's just crazy no that's crazy I learned so much (coughs) I actually have the vid. I'm struggling. Yeah, you actually do. Cloudy coat. Cloudy coco. Coco. Nah. Terrible. Push <laughs> over the head. Nah. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it, just, it does it feel like going to each state, province is like a new country kind of thing. Like everyone. Definitely. Sometimes the neighboring ones are kind of similar. Hmm. I don't know if the mic heard that. Sometimes the neighboring uh, like states are quite similar, but the the further you go away from one place like there's mm. definitely a chance of it being different like i said california where my roommate lives i spent a bit of time there is completely black and white to kansas where i yeah. go to school so and even new jersey where my first school was is completely different to kind of both of those places so it's definitely very interesting mm, there's one thing that's common though you've adopted the language of the america that's for sure never heard the word homies come no out cap. homies no cap facts it happens when you go over there for that long, mate. Yeah. I tried so hard not to pick up an accent, and I don't think I did, but yeah. definitely picked up some of the lingo. <laughs> definitely picked up some of the lingo, that's for sure. Uh-huh. And um, no, that's great. It's great. I'm de- I'm immune to it now. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Should not be. No. No. So um, that's another question. Far out. I was. I always forget the questions. That's I like right. go to go, but then got, I we think, got nowhere to be. You literally do. It was a good one too. <coughs> so he says. So he says. Oh yeah, so the season you're playing for Benedictine. So when you're in Sussex, you're aiming to go to the junior nationals. Div- mm-hmm. Nationals, exactly, of course. Exactly. Is that the same for Benedictine or what are you guys aiming for as Ex- a team? No, no, exactly the same. But just the, I guess, how difficult it is to achieve that is definitely uh, upgraded a lot. So like I said, we were the number eight team both my years in the country at uh, junior college. Now that I'm at Benedictine, I don't know. Typically, typically we sit in and like the, to the top 
five they go through or what so is it? it's the top uh eight in junior college so we mm. just kind of scraped in both years which is cheeky but hey we were there so they were there could be in uh, there to compete exactly right and then in junior college uh sorry in naia it's uh, a lot different because there's so many more schools and the competition is so much higher so i want to say that there's probably like maybe 25 teams that go maybe even more like 30 and they kind of really? do like knockout stages before nationals it's like a little pre-nationals nationals type thing like you'll fly to like a, a different school in a different state and play against them there rather than like going to the national tournament just yet if that makes sense so honestly if you're in the top like 40 schools in the country you're a pretty good shout to start playing in those like pre-nationals games and then eventually start to play the best teams in the country but we normally we typically finish in like the top 25 schools in in the conf- in the country that's an amazing effort though yeah no normally pretty good but it wasn't an amazing effort last year we had a, a down season didn't even make playoffs and when you don't make playoffs you can't uh really compete to be in the the top 25 so our goal this year is definitely just to bounce back and try and put ourselves up where we're supposed to be and hopefully we've got the players to do that hopefully this year's a year we'll be watching that's for sure that's the plan yeah so with the nationals as well how did it feel when you were at sussex like going on a plane interstate Mm. to play soccer like that would have felt like a professional kind of thing surely no for sure so I've got really heartbreaking news for you, Michael. You weren't on the planes bus, well, wasn't it? <sighs> bus ride. Yeah. Well, I still counts. No, nah, <laughs> it, it counts because they upgraded our bus. So we used to be on these like regular coach buses that like, it's just like a regular trip home from uh, high school, really. Like nothing yeah. special. But for the Nationals trip, it was it was a long drive. I want to say like eight hours or something like that. Like he ridiculous was... bus drive. So they kind of upgraded us to like this real fancy like man united-esque bus that was huge you had two seats to yourself you had like a like little place you could lie down for rest you got like your charging port like a pretty snazzy bus and uh you know blinds everywhere it was pitch black it was it was pretty nice that's snazzy it it, it did feel more professional than just going two hours or three hours away in your little like dinghy normal normal bus yeah yeah as bad as it was it's because we honestly just got unlucky like most of the teams we played against did fly it was just because of the location of the tournament we were close enough that we could drive so save the school some money and we yeah for sure but yeah if we do make it uh to nationals for the naia there in florida which is far enough from our school that we will be on a plane so that's the goal so the goal was just to be able to get on a plane basically yeah that's that's what we're all playing for Uh, that's awesome big things ahead this season that's for sure no hopefully we um made some good signings i'm pretty excited about so we'll see how we go yeah, we've got sure. a, a new striker in which should be big another center back coming hopefully to play with me so we'll see how we go that's left awesome left back left back from country i don't even know one of the nordic ones sweden <laughs> norway or yeah one of those ones with the cross on the flag <laughs> <laughs> so he's got to be decent. Oh, right? So get that flag there. That's he's a TikTok clip. Got to be decent. Got to be decent. He's got to be. Ah, uh, no, nah, that's great. One more of a more maybe a personal note. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you went overseas, there has there been ever times where you felt ho- homesick, and if so, how did you deal with it? I mean, yes and no. Like obviously, you miss your family, but it's more. It's not like an everyday kind of struggle. It's more like the big milestones that hit home like when my brother turned 18 when my dog died like there's just the big things that when you miss them you're like oh like it wouldn't be nice to to be home and like with the family for that sort of thing so like for those like one or two or three or four days however many it is it is tough but you have to understand that you're also living amongst 10 or 15 other international kids that are also going through the same thing so when kind of someone's having a rough day like i said it's a milestone of brother's birthday whatever it is you kind of the other boys will kind of get around you and you will support each other and just like try and uplift that person that's going through a rough stage and um yeah they kind of help you take your mind off it which uh helps out a lot that's amazing that's so important you got that support network like all of you guys can relate to Mm -hmm. the same things and now that really makes it a lot easier on you which is good no yeah super wholesome stuff very wholesome stuff love that um yeah so did you f- oh you got you stopped me there 
Fuck, tear, doing well so gonna tear up. Gonna tear up. That was a good one, mate. That was good. But so, how did you find out about college, and how did you the process of getting overseas? How was that? Mm-hmm. So, this is quite an interesting question because, like I said, it was kind of from baseball was how I discovered it was an option, and then from there we went to a recruiting agency. So, there's a number of like agencies that you can pay to kind of get you exposed to it and explain the whole process to you and they kind of work on kind of reaching out on your behalf kind of like an agent normally would they reach out on your behalf to the contacts that they have in the US and kind of find the right fit for you to be honest they are quite expensive and if I had my time again with everything that I've learned about how the system works I would try to do I guess what the agency does try and do it yourself just because for how much money you have to pay them for what they actually do it's probably not not really worth it so not basically well yeah no nah, what the agency really does is they make or you make depends on the agency you'll get a highlight video from your seasons in australia and then basically they'll send it to their connections in america so if you don't have any connections in America, don't worry, you don't really need them because every single school will have the coach, like they'll have a little, con- like on the roster it normally is, on the, the school's website, they'll have a little kind of like contact section and you literally just copy and paste the emails from the websites and then you just want to start emailing as many coaches as possible, your highlight video, tell them about yourself, tell them where you're from, tell them you're interested in their program and that you could see yourself being a good fit. And basically you're just going to rinse and repeat this process. Like when I transferred from Sussex to Benedictine, I was basically doing that process myself. So that's, I guess how I learned how it works. And for me, I was literally emailing hundreds of schools every single day, like division one, division two, NIA. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. I was fucking killing it too. I know. Group chat barkers <laughs> getting in the bin. <laughs> Anywho, where did it interrupt me talking about email? You're schools? saying your email schools like Vincent Repeat, the uh, hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess I'll go from where I was trying to transfer from Sussex to Benedictine. I was basically doing this process myself of emailing schools, literally rinse and repeat hundreds of emails every single day just telling them that I was I've already done two years I'm trying to transfer here's my highlight video from the last two years I probably made three or four highlight videos in my time by now just because it's part of the process like you'll see other kids doing it like I said the kids from Brazil Argentina Uruguay especially the South American kids that don't quite have the the money or like the agencies or the contacts that the European kids do they'll kind of do all this stuff themselves. So I was kind of learning from them and what they do. And it's basically just the process of getting your name out there to as many coaches as you can. Um, just like I said, division one, division two, NAIA, division three kind of stay away from just because they don't give out soccer scholarships or sorry, any sports scholarships. So you, if you're smart enough, you can get academic money there, but honestly, division one, division two, NAIA is where you want to stick to junior college as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just throw your name out there, email every single coach. There's honestly websites where you can get uh, like a list of all the coaches' emails like in just one Excel file so you can do them all at once. But if you want to go the extra mile, just do one at a time, personalize it a little bit with just a couple of words, maybe their mascot name, whatever it is. That's what I used to do. Just chuck in the go Ravens at the end or whatever their mascot is. Good old reliable. Yeah, old reliable. So they think it's just about their school and that's the play, honestly. So when you did that and emailing all these schools, I know you went through a lot of hard work making your Highlightville actually look good. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest struggles. Massive struggle. Uh, So how much, um, how many schools actually like replied to you? Because I know a lot of people, they'll get, you know, they'll email some schools that don't get replies and like, oh no, no one wants me. Or has it just been consistent emailing as many as you can? Emailing as many as you can. And you'd be surprised how many actually reply to you, but you just can't really make the numbers work. So I had from um, my time at Sussex, I had a Division One school, which was my like biggest goal was to end up at a Division One school just because it's such a 
mental thing to be playing at the highest level over there against all the academy kids like that's just where I wanted to be and I was so close like I was talking to this one school every single day they were called uh William and Mary William and Mary a little research project for you after this search that school because that shit would have been crazy Sweet. I think you told me this before yeah, yeah no, I was so close I was talking to the coach every single day and then I guess with like I want to say four or five days before I had to make a decision on Benedictine they were like yeah we're pretty interested it's coming down to this weekend we've got three kids that we want to sign but we've only got one scholarship spot so we'll get back to you after this weekend we're going to make our final decision and I guess I didn't make the cut they they came back to me after the weekend they said yeah sorry spot's been filled it's just the way it's it like, is something you got but to... amazing effort that to even no, get a yeah. one Honestly, school like, to look at you of all my boys like most of the kids that played with me at junior college they all went division 2 NAIA like it's just so underratedly hard to go division 1 even like I said we're playing for the number 8 junior college in the entire country and we still didn't have any kids go D1 just because they're all coming from European academies yeah. Premier League academies like the level is just so ridiculous at division 1 so to even get a talking to like I was buzzing <laughs> yeah exactly right so as well in regards to your process for joining a uh, junior college first was the reason why you joined junior college first correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. was in order to you know get that playing time that experience in America and then because you knew Sussex College they they um usually play at the nationals mm-hmm. so you get the play time there more division one schools look at you is that correct exactly right yeah so I did a bit of research myself I had three or four offers um coming out of just australia just thanks to the agency but like i said if you're emailing junior colleges yourself you'd probably get way more than that and uh from these four schools i just looked at who was the most successful okay well sussex is going to the national tournament at damn near every year scouts are normally at that tournament like that's probably my best opportunity to go to the highest level possible so that was a bit of a no-brainer honestly yeah no awesome and also in regards to finishing school and you went to college uh, straight after of course mm-hmm. was there any thought of you know going to Europe or something beforehand to play soccer to trial or was it always just having you know knowing that you have the backup of the degree as well as playing high level soccer yeah honestly for me my parents kind of pushed me toward the college route just because of the backup and I guess it's not that they didn't have faith in me but they were just a bit more realistic I think dad had played at such a high level himself in a different sport mind you but I still think he knew what it took to be at the top level of the sport so they kind of pushed me toward the college route just to have that backup and you're still exposed to an extremely high level so it was going to be a good learning curve either way and like I said I went over there and had that kind of humbling learning experience so glad they did not awesome (coughs) awesome great stuff great stuff has there any part of you when you've gone to college ever thought about what it would be like I don't know about you but I know if I went to America I'll probably have thoughts of oh what if I stayed in Australia what if this what if that any what ifs come in your mind when you're in America just no not really only because like I love the sport so much that I want to play it every day and like there's no real opportunity to do that here and get your degree at the same time Mm. if that makes sense so for me it was like okay I, I want to develop and I want to start to catch up to these kids that like you said I, I'm so far behind having started so late so for me just being able to go over there and train three times a day two times a day whatever it is while also kind of getting my degree not on the side but yeah kind of is on the side honestly like when you're doing that much sport it's kind of the sport kind of takes over most of the time so yeah for me there's no regrets honestly like I'm I'm not a dummy like I don't mind my academics but for me like the focus was just on soccer and kind of doing the academics on the side hasn't hasn't hurt me too much yeah you've taken this opportunity full steam ahead Absolutely. with American soccer mm-hmm. it's good that you've had no regrets which I think the most important thing in life you don't want to go through life having no regrets thinking what if I didn't what if I went to college what if I did this and that mm-hmm. um well tangent well, I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> well said well said mate uh compared to Australia and the level you've played here, when you're in America, how do you feel the pressure? And if you've ever felt pressure, how did you deal with it? Damn, that's actually a great question because you do feel it 100%. I'd never really felt pressure in Australia just because I wasn't playing at the highest level. Like there were still crowds, but nothing that was like overwhelming or like gonna put you off your game or anything like that. Like 
I guess you weren't really playing for anything apart from just personal enjoyment over here. Like, that's just what it was about. Like, you're not going to play in Australia if you're not enjoying it, if you feel me. So it was more about just playing for yourself. Whereas over there, once you get to a certain level, honestly, my first two years were okay. Because the, again, like the junior college just isn't as much pressure as when you move on to a four-year school and you start to get big crowds. And I guess the... Even nationals? Yeah, honestly, even nationals, like, it was a bit more pressure just because you knew the scouts were there and, like, this was your chance to go somewhere. But it's literally, like, one or two games, like, you'll get over it. I I do remember being quite unwell before my first nationals game, my first year. Like, I felt a bit anxious and a bit sick, but you get over it once the whistle blows and you start playing. Like, you just kind of go into the zone. But I guess... In once I transferred to Benedictine, it started to affect me a bit more just because of the gravity of the situation. Like, I went from getting like five or six thousand dollars scholarship in my first two years to getting like thirty thousand dollars scholarship yeah. in my in my third year. So like, the amount of pressure when they're kind of giving you that much money on the expected return, like what they expect to get from you in return is definitely something that plays in your mind as well as also the coaches. Like I have a great relationship with my coach and the fact that he, we didn't have a good season, like his job was seriously a risk. And if we don't perform next year, like he'll probably be gone. So that's definitely something that plays on your mind. Like you got to perform for yourself. you got to perform for your coach. Otherwise they've been off the old coach they bring in a new one and he can do whatever he wants with you he can cut you bring in his own players like it's quite a common thing that happens so I guess that was one of the biggest things that affected uh the pressure that I felt it wasn't like like how most people would think it's like a crowd watching you we did get big crowds at, at my current school but you don't hear them honestly like once you start playing that's not what affects you it's the other things that I just mentioned like yeah the more personal things so honestly I, I i'd love to say i dealt with it oh i had some like super strategy to deal with it yeah. but honestly i don't it's it's one of the things that i definitely have struggled with and it's just about realizing that it's at the end of the day it is a game like mm. there are stakes on it but you still got to find a way to enjoy it and like realize that you're here for a reason and it's to kick a ball around it's not the be all and end all so yeah. you just got to find a way to get over it and try and enjoy it i guess it's remembering just the reason why you play in soccer like you played it because you enjoy the moment you love the competition you love having fun like yeah, it's exactly easy to get right. crowded around with all the pressure and stuff but in the grand scheme of things you're playing the sport yeah. that you love there's no point being there if you're not going to enjoy it and you're going to wake up every day dreading like oh shit another game today like mm. there's just no point being there and i did find myself waking up thinking like that and when you do you just got to be like nah like that's not me i can't wait wake up and be unhappy that i'm here that's just yeah it's the purpose of so you just found there. when you thought that that like kind of yeah no done. you just flick a switch as flick a you switch catch yourself thinking like that you're like come on now like, yeah I'm better than this yeah because you know there's a lot of people that would you know kill exactly. to be in your position exactly when you're playing soccer as well and you make a mistake on the field mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you have the crowd letting you know a bit more and stuff but is it because i know when i played and i make a mistake i get in my head the whole game and it kind of ruins it do you ever experience that or ever for sure home games any strategies that's one of the biggest differences between home games and away games is like most teams will have decent crowds it's it's mainly students too they they kind of encourage all the other sports to to come to the games and then most of the students from the schools will also be at the games. so it is quite a decent crowd and they're all supporting their team so it is quite helpful at home games like most of the people don't even know what they're cheering about so you can make a mistake at home and no one cares but when you go to an away game like they're literally on you about everything it doesn't matter if you do something good do something bad like you're getting jeered when ever you touch the ball basically so which is not a lot for <laughs> so two minutes nah yeah. but it is um it is something you got to get used to but it's also nothing really that crazy like when you're like fully focused on the game and like what's going on you got to track runners you got to follow people with the ball like work out where the ball is like when you're actually focused on doing your job there's really not enough time to be stressing about what's going on on the, on the outside of the field yeah no great stuff and darcy what would you say are the benefits of going to college why should people go to college i mean there are plenty of routes that you can take but for me 
I think the biggest thing is that you get to do both. It's it's quite a diverse route. Like you'll be exposed to such a high level of competition in sport while at the same time going to class and still getting your degree so that when or if you eventually, you know, everyone has to stop playing eventually, right? Whether you get injured, whether you're not good enough, whether you turn 40, like eventually you have to do something after sport. So to kind of have that backup and still get an education, which gives you an opportunity to to work for a higher wage eventually when you do start working. It's, I think, the biggest benefit of college. Awesome. Beautiful. I think that's quite a bit of the soccer questions that we asked in your life in America. Mm-hmm. One more to get you, like, you know, a bit more lighthearted. Just what are the parties like in America? And is it really like, you know, what is what it seems in the, in on TVs nah, and movies? I mean, the movies do overplay it, obviously. They're movies, but... I guess what people don't understand, like I said, is there's hundreds of schools and the big uh, schools that have the crazy parties like you see on TV and on the news, whatever, it's the Division One schools and not even just any Division One school. Like it's literally the top 50 Division One schools, like the top of the top schools with thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. Like... I, don't, I honestly wish I could tell you like some of these schools how many kids they have but I don't know like it's literally like a small city that's why these parties just turn out so crazy because you've got thousands of kids going to them so for me the only experience I've really had with that because my school is not division one it's not like that at all so our parties are decent but nothing like the movies that you're talking about so for me the only experience I've had is going to Kansas University so it's about an hour away from my school and that's a massive division one school they just won the national tournament the whole thing for basketball uh this year so huge school huge like, very, very successful school and like uh, the day after they had uh they won the national tournament for basketball like the streets were just flooded with like tens of thousands of people just like as you said like you'd seen a movie but like the only time you're going to experience something like that is if you make the trip to go to a division one school to like go to one of their parties so and like i said if you're if you're good enough to be playing at a division one school like you're not traveling there because it's close to you or a school that's close to you if you're actually good enough to be playing in a division one school you're not going there because of the parties. <laughs> You've got other things to focus on. Oh, exactly. No, it's amazing the experiences that you've had and oh, your stories that we've told each other like just sounds amazing. And I know when you finish college, there'll be you know years you look back on with fond memories, that's for sure. Uh-huh. We've got... <laughs> Getting nervous. Getting nervous. That's a call the police on me. He's here, he's here. Um, one last question, which I like to ask every guest that come onto the show. All of them. A bit of a big, all of them, all single. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is one question I like to ask every guest that comes onto the show. Right, we're starting the tradition the, now. We're starting the tradition. I like it. So, what is one lesson that you would want to leave behind when you pass away? And what is one thing on your bucket list you want to tick off? Gee whiz. You said one lesson that I want to leave for, like, people behind me when I die? Yeah. Wow. That is a hard hit, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, I didn't give you that one to have a look at, mate. No, honestly, you did. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It was on the list, but I just didn't didn't really pay it much attention. Yeah. I was like, yeah, don't know if he's going to come to that. Didn't oh, realize it was going to be the token question the at token the end of the question. interview. Nah, I think... Uh, oh, it's such a cliche, though. Oh, I don't care. Cliche or not. All right. Cliche or not. Ready? I'm going to look right down the barrel of the camera. Hard work beats talent when talent oh. doesn't work hard. That's good. Such that a cliche. But like I said, and like we kind of covered already, I didn't start playing until ridiculously late. I don't want to say I'm the bee's knees or anything like that, but I've definitely caught up to kids that have been playing since they were four or five years old. Mm. Academy kids. I'm starting to play with players that are playing for national teams. Like, if you are prepared to put in the work and do three times more, four times more work than the average person's doing, then you can do good things and you can catch up and make up for lost ground and i one of my biggest regrets honestly is that i just like to think like if i did start at that early age and manage to maintain the work rate that i've kind of put in for the last few years it would be interesting to see where i would be at now but i also at the same time when i think about that i also think if i had started that early would i have the same work rate that i have right now 
probably oh, not. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, Honestly, everything not. happens for a reason, exactly right? right. So. Like, it's kind of what drives me is that I did start late and I know that I have to make up for lost time. So kind of what pushes me every day. Yeah, that's awesome. What was your other question? The yeah, other one question, more in there. Great answer, mate. Uh, the last one is, what's um, one thing on your bucket list that you want to tick <laughs> off? Not skydiving. I can tell you that much. Oh. Did, I, did I tell you my brother and my dad were about to go skydiving this oh, yeah. weekend? <laughs> yeah. Get in the bin. Oh, Just come on. Go on their own. They can go splat. Nah, for me. I've got a skydiving ticket. Don't say that. No. I'm um, smarter than that. For me, bucket list. Honestly, just travel. Love Island. <laughs> said he Love Island. Love um, Island. For me, just travel. Like, I've met a lot of kids from a lot of different places now. And, like, I have kids that I could stay with in Italy, in Spain, France, England, like, especially in Europe. Um, there's a lot of places that I want to visit and a lot of kids that I can stay with. So, for me, it's just about actually taking the time, probably once I finish my degree and finish playing, to go to those countries and experience europe and experience like different cultures and stay with those kids again and catch up with them the kids that i, I used to live with basically so yeah it's uh you got such a wide network now yeah is- exactly you should see my snap maps <laughs> mr world mr, <laughs> mr. Worldwide. Worldwide. but uh yeah no it's basically my bucket list is just to travel and to see different parts of the world and take advantage of the network that like he's just said i have that's beautiful well thank you so much for your time darcy no, no worries mate thanks for having it's me it's been a wonderful first show and would you want a quick plug of the instagram if people want to come and see your progress yeah if uh you want to see the highlight video track the progress and uh just share the love it's uh darcy oc03 beautiful on instagram no nah, i actually lied i don't know, I don't know <laughs> isn't it i don't know if there's a zero in that nah, is a zero it i think is? you have a zero yeah should we check real quick, Did you check real quick? i don't want to plug the instagram and it not Mate, be right come on I, and the I wouldn't maps. want the four listeners to not go follow me if you want to be part of uh darcy's mr worldwide snap maps as well what would that <laughs> no nah, i was wrong see it's, so it's wrong we'll try again darcy oc3 don't oh, know, don't I know where i was the zero no nah, that's snapchat don't know where i went to the zero from but yeah yeah no nah, appreciate uh if you go check that out i have my highlight video from my most recent season on there so if you want to see if i'm not actually rubbish and haven't just been making all this up go and check that out definitely give that a check out and make sure that you uh look at life's teachers on instagram as well as life's teachers on tiktok and listen on spotify apple music wherever you listen thanks so much for tuning in it's been a wonderful first episode and look forward to what the future holds for you darcy yes sir appreciate it mate more than welcome wow you made it to the end great stuff guys thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join me Make sure you rate and follow the show as well as follow Life's Teachers on Instagram and TikTok. I hope you learned something new and had fun along the way. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys.